Welcome to the ASCD Connect podcast, supporting you on your journey as a life-changing educator. Here's your host for today's program. School districts have been making some progress in recruiting male educators of color, but they're doing a pretty poor job of keeping them. Our guest today, Damon Harris, is a district administrator in Maryland and co-director of the Bond Project a grassroots initiative founded and led by Black and Latino male educators. Bond is filling a gap in the way we diversify the profession by not only recruiting men of color to become educators, but by developing, supporting, and retaining them once they do. Could stronger peer support groups like those created by Bond make a difference going forward? I'm Sarah McKibben, ASCD's Director of Digital and Editorial Content, and I'm happy to be joined today by Damon Harris. Welcome to our program, Damon. Thanks. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Let's go ahead and get started. Can you give us the 30-second elevator speech about the bomb project and how it came about? Sure, Ken. So we know from research and anecdotally in our own experiences, uh, in terms of our members, we know that having a diverse teaching core is important to students. We also, and across the board, not just for students of color. And we also know that teachers of color, particularly men of color, are significantly underrepresented in our teaching staff. So we needed to figure out a way to improve those percentages. And it had, we started where we were in Montgomery County, Maryland, but we've since gone on to, to branch out and support folks all over the country when the, when it comes to recruiting, retaining, developing, or empowering black and brown men in education. So as you wrote in your EL article for the October issue, districts are getting slightly better at recruiting men of color, but not at empowering or retaining them. Why do you think that is? Based on our experiences, we think that districts haven't been intentional about that work. And sometimes it's because folks are not comfortable with that work. Um, there There are times when people talk about race or gender or other issues of diversity that make people uncomfortable. And there is not always the sense of urgency to, or the skill or sort of comfort in having those conversations that say, we need to, we need to go out and do this in, in a way to make a racial impact. And in today's climate, it's, it's even more so uh, taboo in, in some areas. But we also find that in areas that are, say they're more progressive or, or more liberal or more diverse, that there's still these types of issues. And that is more about the subtext, we think. So like folks aren't sending the right messages to men of color, but they're not really in boys of color, but they're not really quite sure why we're not joining the, the workforce. And we think it's because we don't make schools good places for boys of color. And so they don't want to be there. They don't want to be in school buildings when they get to 12th grade. They're out of there. Or they're not being solid places for men of color if we do decide to come and try to teach. So we get um, the the less glamorous teaching positions or or the, the harder teaching positions. We get tagged as mentors versus instructional specialists. Like those types of things, we get sometimes use coded language when we're being observed. Uh, we've had some of our members be called lazy 
in encoded language, like they don't want to work hard enough or they're not bright enough to pick up the curriculum. Like those types of messages that are that black and brown men get on a regular basis that send the message that they don't belong in, in certain in some school systems. So when you work with Bond and the surveying you did in Montgomery County, what factors have you found encouraged men of color to stay in a district? Well, they were joined in our district because, in part, because of the salary, because of the prestige, because they felt a calling um, in in the older, a little older age, like a, a shoulder tap by someone who said, "We think you'd be a great teacher." Like those, those were, or they wanted to get back to their communities. Those are certainly the reasons why they they joined and why they came to the district where we started in in particular. They also said that they stayed in the district because they felt like they were um, fulfilling a personal mission, that they were being accepted and supported and cared for in their in their spaces, and that they felt like they they had other people. That they that they could with whom they could connect. So there, those are like they came for purpose and prestige, and they stayed for connection and family and impact. For those who left Montgomery County, or your colleagues who worked in other districts and left, what drove them to leave those areas? All over the place, and what a bunch of them tell us is, I'm I, I am either leaving or I've already left because I don't feel respected or I don't feel like I'm making a difference. I don't feel valued. I don't feel like I have the opportunity to demonstrate the, the full breadth of, of my knowledge and skills in, in the role I'm in. I don't think that people in my building or in my district believe that I am capable of taking more of a role. In some cases, Folks leave because they can't, they they don't feel like they can take a central office leadership role because their district doesn't believe that they can they can handle that. In other cases, people leave teaching roles because they want to have a teacher leadership position and they don't feel like their school district is or their principal or their building administrator administrator is supportive of that either. So like those, those are definitely the types of spaces. Another one is being seen as the being seen as the mentor versus the instructional leader, right? The disciplinarian versus the the teacher leader who can build the capacity of others, like those types of things where our, our men feel like they they should be empowered to do those things. They feel like they're being restrained in in some of their roles. So, at the building level, what can principals do to better support male educators of color? You certainly need to make a connection, like make a connection. And that goes for all of your teachers. You know, this is kind of like when we talk about differentiation for students with special needs and those types of things, the things that we do that, that we do to support one set of students are often things that support all students. So we're these, these statements or principles that we're discussing, these aren't necessarily pertaining just to men of color. It just so happens that there are so few that we feel isolated. And then there are, there's that piece about race that our our society is still trying to reckon with. But um, so I say, make a connection, a personal connection with your teachers, and and let them know that you you see them, right, and that you feel them. Find ways to help men of color, black and brown men, connect with each other, um, and 
because there are experiences that they likely had that you haven't unless you are one. So find ways to make them connect. Find ways to support their growth and show them that they you see the instructional leader in them, that you see the person who can build the capacity of their colleagues in them. And you see the person who can make deviations from the standard curricula to meet the needs of their students. And if you see them, and this is what one of my, my staff members said to me once, you see us and you appreciate us. So we give you more. And that's like all, all teachers, but particularly black and Latino men, they're ready to give more if they feel like they're in a space that is ready to accept that. That's powerful. You know, what advice do you have for educators who want to start or join a support network like Bond? What are the first steps? Well, you can certainly go to bondeducators.org. We have membership link there. There's no fee. So that that part is that part is easy. We can plug you in. But you can read the October issue of Education Leadership. You can also read um, search in educational leadership's archives for other articles by men by uh, men like me who lead other groups. I recall Sharif El Meki from the Center for Black Educator Development. He wrote an article a couple of years ago. So there are a number of folks who do this work who are featured by ASCD, who've been really supportive of the work that we do. You can hop in, hop online into your favorite social media and do a hashtag for. Male MEOC for male educators of color. You can hashtag teacher retention, do all those searches, and you will find this work. And I can name a couple of guys that I mentioned in the article, a couple of folks who are, who are doing this work. We have Sharif, Sharif El Meki, like I mentioned. We have Curtis Valentine, who has the Real Men Teach project. We have Ayudele Harrison, who has uh, Black Male Educators Talk. There's the He Is Me Institute out west. There's Kingmakers in Oakland. You have a number of folks all over the place who are doing this, doing this work. BMEs in St. Louis, uh, BMESTL. There, there are, if you search black male educators, Latino male educators, you're going to find the group. And if you don't, start one. Just to follow up on that, why are affinity groups so important for districts to have and who should take initiative to form them? Everybody owns it if you don't have one in your district. So if you're, if you're a, a rank and file a staff member, a teacher, a paraeducator, uh, start one if you don't, if you don't have one. If you're a school district, start one. Don't wait for the other side to start one. So you can do that and you can reach out and do it together in, in partnership. So that, that part is, is critical, but it's, it's certainly doable. The other part about why you need to have one, well, another part, a reason why you should have one is because your competition is everybody's scrambling for teachers right now. And your competition districts, human resource directors, they are they have these groups already. So once the once the men in your districts find out, they're going there. So if it's only for selfish reasons, it, that you have that as well. And if if you keep them this way, the folks from EdTrust wrote wrote an article about teachers of color and the need that they have. Um, for this, these types of connections. And the article is called, or the, the report was called, if you, if you do this, we will stay, I believe is what it was called. But it's really about why we, why folks 
come and go. Get something and read it. That's great advice. To switch gears for a minute, at the end of an interview you once did, your parting words were, in quotes, we have to stay woke. What does staying woke look like for a school or district administrator? It means staying aware of all of the issues that impact your staffing, your teacher, your teaching, and your learning in your buildings. Sometimes staying woke means making sure you have some programs in place to support your, your teachers. And, our, and teachers sometimes have very specific needs. So it may be something a little different for your men of color in your district. But it also might mean how are you having the finger on the pulse of how you're supporting or how uh, supporting your LGBTQ plus students or how you are thinking about in transportation with uh, the deficits with school bus drivers all over the country. How are you thinking about the equity with which different areas of your school district are being served by their by their buses? How are you managing your special education programs so that your your teachers do less seclusion and restraints of certain types of, of all students, but with a particular lens on some disproportionality with some of the students? Like, so being woke means you have to, as a district leader, as a building leader, or as a teacher leader, you need to make it your mission to be informed about all the issues that affect the, the stakeholders in your in your school community. And you need to be motivated and skilled and knowledgeable enough to take action to support those things when things are going awry. All right, final question. Are you optimistic about schools' ability to better support and retain Black and Latino male educators? Yes. And... I don't know about the percentages in terms of will we still leave at the same rates? Possibly, but there will certainly be more. And it's, but it's, it's because it's a double-edged sword because the reason why there are going to be more just in raw numbers is because there's a, a different focus on conditionally certified teachers now because folks aren't looking, aren't able to get as many teachers coming out of traditionally traditional educator preparation programs. They are going now looking more towards folks with degrees in other, in other majors. They skew more folks of color, more male. So we're going to have greater numbers. Now, I don't know if we'll hold on to them as long, but we're definitely going to have greater numbers. So I think there'll be more in the future. All right. That's all the time we have. I want to thank our guest, Damon Harris, for sharing his powerful insight. And thanks to everyone listening in. We appreciate the tireless work you do for schools and students. To read Damon's article, visit www.ascd.org. And also check out the Bomb Project online. Thanks so much, Damon. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.